Psalm 4. I'm going to take a break from 1 Corinthians for a week. I want you to turn to Psalm 4. Psalm 4. I think sometimes we need reminders in times of turmoil and things like this. We need a reminder of what the Word of God says. Is everyone there? Psalm 4. I'm going to read the entire psalm, but I mainly want to focus on verses 6 through 8 today. And I'll try to be brief so we can be out on time. Verse 1, to the leader with stringed instruments, a psalm of David. Answer me when I call, O God, of my right. You gave me room when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. How long, you people, shall my honor suffer shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? Selah. But know that the Lord has set apart the faithful for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. When you are disturbed, do not sin. Ponder it on your beds and be silent. Selah. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, oh, that we might see some good. Let the light of your face shine on us, O Lord. You have put gladness in my heart more than when their grain and wine abound. I will both lie down and sleep in peace. For you alone, O Lord, make me lie down in safety. Father, we thank you again for allowing us to come together. We thank you, Lord, for keeping us safe. We even pray for those of us uh, in the church who um, have uh, um, have contracted the coronavirus. We pray that you would continue to touch their bodies, strengthen them, and heal them. We pray, Lord, that you would allow them to, to rest and fully recover. Um, we thank you for your grace and mercy on us as a congregation, and uh, we pray even in this new year that you would uh, not only uh, bless and protect your churches, but even our nation and our world. We pray that you would bring a decline in the the cases uh in the, of the coronavirus and i pray lord that that you would fully heal uh um, all those who have it we pray that you will bring this pandemic to an end uh, lord so that we can get back to life in some sense to a life of normal uh, we pray lord that you would help us in this time as a nation where we are, uh, are facing a politi- political turmoil and uh, we pray lord that you would help us uh, to, to seek your face, to see where our help and our comfort truly comes from, because it cannot be in this world. We thank you now for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Lately, I have been talking to people inside and outside of our church who are going through a lot. Some are dealing with challenges in their marriages and are wondering, will there ever be peace? Some are trying to learn how to navigate issues with co-parenting. Some are facing health challenges. Some are newly single and are wrestling with their identity and their sexual purity. Whereas they used to know who they were as a married person, they are struggling to find themselves 
as a single person. And this list could continue to go on and on. As a nation, we are struggling. There is political turmoil everywhere. People are deciding to resolve all conflicts, including political ones, with a gun or through violence. People are struggling financially as a result of the pandemic. And drug addiction has become an epidemic nationwide. Some 60,000 people a year are dying from drug overdoses in our nation. Our school systems are failing. I think I saw a study done the other day, uh, a couple weeks ago, that said that more than half of the students in our country now have at least two failing grades, two failing grades because of the amount of school that they're missing. And a lot of them have more than two classes that they're failing. I'm guessing that in your life, like in mine, you are going through or have gone through some tough times. As it has been said, you're either going through something, just got out of something, or are about to go through something. These life circumstances are not easy. The truth is life can be hard sometimes, and these circumstances can be stressful. I think that all of us in this past year have experienced some form of stress. Either there's been stress from, you know, wondering about your job, um, or like me, you've been stressed because you got kids in the house and you're trying to figure out why you didn't pay more attention in sixth grade. Okay. <laughs> I'm just like, Lord, I should have paid more attention when I was in middle school. <laughs> okay. We've, we're all going through some kind of stress. But when we go through things, it is inevitable that we will look for comfort. Everyone is looking for some form of comfort. Since as human beings, our greatest desire is pleasure, when we go through hurtful or stressful situations that we often have no control over, it is only natural that we try to find some way to relieve that stress, even if it is only temporary and partial relief. Some people seek comfort in food. As a matter of fact, we sometimes call it comfort food. Okay. I made a joke before in a previous sermon about how um, sometimes we are stressed out and going through things and, 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 and by the time we figure it out, uh, we have eaten an entire pint of ice cream. You know, maybe that's just me. I don't know. Right. We, we, we find our comfort in many things. Some of us find it in food. Some people seek comfort in drugs and alcohol. Some people seek comfort in sex because that's the only way that they can uh, get a person to love them. Some people seek comfort in affairs or in walking away from their families. Some people seek comfort in money. Some people seek comfort in bragging about what they have because they need praise. <clears throat> Some people seek comfort in status. So they have to have the latest things and the most brand name things. Some people seek comfort in work, and so they become workaholics trying to always work their way to the top. But the question before us today is not whether or not we will seek comfort, but the question is, in what do we seek 
comfort. We will all seek comfort in something. The question is, what will we seek our comfort in? Now, ask yourself this question. When I'm feeling under pressure, where do I go for comfort? When I'm under pressure, where do I go for comfort? That is exactly what David is addressing here in Psalm 4. In verse 1, there appears to be some issue of distress on David's mind, and he's calling on God for help. This appears to be a national psalm and therefore probably was a challenge following, um, challenge, um, following the nation of Israel. It was possibly famine since he mentions grain and wine in verse 7. The people appeared to have turned from the Lord in distress and were looking elsewhere for their comfort. Look at what he says in verses two through five. He says, how long, you people, shall my honor suffer shame? How long will you in, in love vain words and seek after lies? But know that the Lord has set apart the faithful for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. When you are disturbed, right, um, uh, or you're, if you have another translation, it may say, be angry, but do not sin. Ponder it on your beds and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. I think he's saying these things because the people were doing the opposite. They were not putting their trust in the Lord during times of national crisis. They were looking for comfort in other places. And this brings me to my first point. When life hits you hard, you will turn to someone or something for comfort. We all do that. When life hits you hard, you will turn to someone or something for comfort. Now, I, you all know me. Um, I am the person who likes to uh, take the easy road. I'm like water. I want to take the, the easiest path downhill. Okay. When I'm stressed out, the way I know that I'm stressed out is because I spend too much time on the couch watching TV, okay? Now, it used to be um, being on, 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 on uh, Facebook, but since I deleted my account, right, uh, all I can do is, 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 uh, is TV, okay? And that's when I know I'm, I'm, I'm too stressed out because I, I just sit around, I waste time, oh, I know I need to get up and read, I know I need to study, or, and it, but it's like I just feel drained, and so I just, and that's just my out. I just, you know, I just flip from, CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, Fox 45 News at 10, Fox 45, the late edition at 11, and, and just listen to the same stories over and over and over again. And, and don't realize, maybe that's why you stressed out. <laughs> it's like you're listening to the same nonsense over and over again. Okay. So, so the first thing we need to recognize is that when we are stressed or, or when we're going through something, we will turn to someone or something for comfort. What we need to learn how to do is examine ourselves to find out where we are turning for our comfort and to ask ourselves, why do I seek my comfort in this way? 
Why do I seek my comfort in this way? Now, that will be for a variety of reasons, right? Usually this is the, the method that we have learned to cope with, with life. But we will all seek comfort in some way. We should ask ourselves, why do we find our comfort in this way and not in others? The second thing uh, I need you to see is where we turn for comfort is usually what is most pragmatic and self-beneficial in the short term. The reason we pick this particular method of comfort is because it is most practical, right? It's, it's easy, and it is self-beneficial in the short term. We don't want long-term, <laughs> long-term pain, okay? What, what can I get real quick, okay? And for me, it's just easiest. You just sit down and just, just click the remote and just veg out. So we, we find our comfort in what is most pragmatic and what is most self-beneficial in the short term. <clears throat> a couple of maybe a couple of years ago, I saw this article um, on low income households and they said that low income households spend 40 percent of their income on luxuries. OK. OK. Think about it. 40% people with the lowest income spend the most on luxuries, okay? Tennis shoes, TVs, hair, nails, things like that, okay? And, and, and they're grappling with, well, why do people who have the least, who struggle the most, why do they spend the most money on luxuries? It's because... They are seeking comfort in what is most self-beneficial in the short term. Because I can't fix any of my problems, the best I can do is feel good in the short term. And what makes me feel happy? Just stuff. We're a consumer society. A couple years ago in Georgia, I saw that the welfare system had run out of money. And so they literally had a line of people in the parking lot outside of the social service building complaining they wanted their money i don't have any money on my card <laughs> i want my money and there was a, a mother that was interviewed and she was complaining because she didn't have any more money to feed the children they didn't put the money on my card this month i don't have any food i don't i only have one diaper left i don't know what i'm going to do and so what i noticed though as they were interviewing her was that her hair was done Her nails were done. She had on some very nice clothes. But she was distressed because she did not know how she was going to feed her children. We have to learn that we cannot fix our situation with short-term comfort fixes. We cannot fix our situation this way but at least it feels good at least we feel good we can't fix the problem but if we can't fix it at least i can feel good or at least we can look good while struggling <laughs> okay we can look good in the struggle it's like a uh, mike keeps joking about 
wanting to buy <laughs> buy like a Gucci belt. He's like, I just want a Gucci belt. And I'm like, why you want a Gucci belt, Mike? <laughs> He's like, I seen some kids at my child's school with a Gucci belt. And, I don't, and I'm like, I can't afford a Gucci belt. And I'm a doctor, but why they got a Gucci belt? <laughs> He's like, he like, I just want to look good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like the Israelites in Psalm 4, we call on God, but if he doesn't answer when we want and how we want, we usually turn to worthless things. For example, riots. Again, I will say me laying on the couch watching TV is a worthless thing. And yet, it, I still struggle not to do it. We're all trying to answer the question asked in verse 6. Who will show us any good? Who will show us any good? Through much pain and suffering, God teaches us that we find our comfort and our greatest good in the face of God. Listen to what, uh, what David says here in verse 6. He says, there are many who say, many in our nation today are who are saying, oh, that we might see some good. That's all we want. We want peace. We want justice. We want good. But notice where David says we find this good. He says, let the light of your face shine on us, O Lord. In times of, in a time of national crisis, David does not seek good in the end to political upheaval. He does not seek good in justice. He seeks good in the face of God. Now, again, I'm not downplaying the need for, for, for justice and peace in the nation or whatever. What I'm trying to say is that we don't find peace and good in those things. We find it only in the face of God because we can't guarantee that we will find peace in politics or riots or anywhere else. The only way, place we know we can find good is in the face of God. I remember when... Kayla, this was right before we put them in karate. There was a young lady. No, I think she had just started karate because she came home and said, and uh, she was upset. I noticed something was wrong. And I, I'm like, well, what's wrong? She was like, I'm just mad. And I'm like, well, I'm like, okay, I've never seen Kayla get mad before, right? And, and so I think she was maybe about the fourth grade. And, um, and I'm like, well, what's going on? She's like, this, this, this girl in my class, I just want to punch in the face. And I was like, oh, this is serious. I'm like, this is, this is real serious. So, and so she, she's telling me about this girl that just transferred into her class and, and, and how she's bullying people. And they put her at the table with Kayla. And, and she just kept, like, under the table, like, kicking Kayla in the leg. Now, now you know, we've always taught Kayla, you know, sensei would say, you know, you don't hit back. Learning karate is about not fighting. And, and so we all of this, so we go through all these things. And she was like, and, and I'm just mad because I can't hit her back because I don't want to get in trouble. And I'm like, okay, you wouldn't like us growing up, but okay. So, <laughs> so, so the next day I go to the school, and, and she's sitting at the table. And um, you, I could just tell that she was sitting at the table mad. And as I, I'm just standing, looking through the door, just watching what's happening. And when she sees me, her whole face changes. 
right? I think that this is what Paul, I mean, what David is, is saying here when he says, Lord, let the light of your face shine on us. When, if, if No matter what distress or problem we are facing, if we can just see the face of God, if God would just lift the light of his face on us, everything is going to be okay. This is how David felt when he said, Lord, lift the light of your countenance or the light of your face on us. Instead of relief from his circumstances, David was more concerned about seeing God's face and being in God's presence. Because when we can't find peace in life, we can always find peace in God's presence. Seeing God's face would have been the genuine desire of all committed Old Testament believers. You all remember the story of of, um, Exodus chapter 33? No, you're like, I don't know. (laughs) Exodus chapter 33, Moses uh, is is pleading with God, right? God is, is, is is telling them that they can get up and go. They've sinned, and he says, Go to the promised land. I'll give you the promised land. I'm not going with you, though. And Moses says, God, if you don't send your presence with us, don't send us into the promised land. And so he has this back and forth with God. and, 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 And he says to God, he says, show me your glory. And God says, well, Moses, I don't think you know what you what you're asking for. He says, no one can see my face and live. Moses was willing to risk his life to see the face of God. We all know the same thing with Job in Job chapter 19, verses 21 through 21, right? Job had the same desire. He just wanted to see God (laughs) because in moments of distress, Our peace is only found in the presence of God. Throughout the Old Testament, seeing God face to face was always elusive. Old Testament believers had many chances to experience the presence of God, but they never got to see God's face. Now, we were all we all can seek God's face, but Jesus promised us in his Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter five that we will see him face to face. Now, I want us to turn really quickly to Numbers chapter 6. Numbers chapter 6. And I want us to see here this benediction. Why seeing the face of God was so important. And when we have our Good Friday service, we will be looking back at this passage, number chapter 6. Okay, but seeing God's face was the greatest desire 
of everyone in the Old Testament. It should be our greatest desire. It should be what we are seeking in times of crisis and turmoil. Now listen to, to this, right? We, we know this as a benediction, okay, right? Oftentimes you hear this in uh, church at the end before you are leaving, and you're wondering, well, why did the pastor say that every single Sunday when we're about to leave church? I don't get it, okay? Listen to what uh, the Lord speaks to Moses here about this benediction. The Lord spoke to Moses. I'm sorry, uh, Numbers chapter 6, verse 22. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the Israelites. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance or his face to you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. Okay. So again, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you or lift up his face to you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. Now, notice here as I, as I close, I want us to, so we can get out on time, is Moses is supposed to give this benediction to Aaron and to his sons. And he says that when you pronounce this benediction over my people, you are putting my name on them and I will bless them. Okay. Now, um, I, I, we'll look at this. because I love the way R.C. Sproul described this and, um, um, when he was uh, talking about this passage and how he relates it to the crucifixion. But, but, but here, as he says, you cannot understand the blessing apart from the curse, right? Because uh, the word blessing means to empower someone to achieve something, okay? And what is the curse? The curse is the opposite of that. So when we're, we're talking about putting God's name on people and, and blessing them, right? What God is saying that through my name being on them, I will empower them to accomplish whatever I, I want to ac- them to accomplish. And the greatest thing he wants to accomplish is for you to be in his presence. But listen to what he says. He says, verse 26, he says, uh, verse 25, he says, the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Isn't that what we want and need in times of crisis and turmoil? Aren't we just looking for peace when we're going through stressful situations? When we're looking for comfort, what we're looking for is peace. And repeatedly throughout Scripture, the Bible shows us that the way we find peace is in the face of God. So he's saying, Lord, lift up your face. Let your face shine upon us so we can be at peace. 
when we are under pressure, when we are stressed out, when we are going through times of turmoil, even terms of national ter- times of national turmoil, the place to find peace is in the presence of God. The question that we have to answer as we close is, do we desire to see God's face or are we just simply satisfied with worthless temporary solutions? It is, a, it is, is it's our greatest desire to see God's face or do we want temporary solutions that more times than not only intensified the pain that we're already in. See, sometimes we opt for the temporary pleasures. They will only last a short time. And oftentimes they just intensify the problem that you're in. So, you know, I, if I'm sitting around all day because I'm, I'm I, you know, I'm stressed out and you're like, oh, I forgot I got to get the sermon ready for tomorrow. <laughs> and then I'm up all night long writing a sermon. Okay. So I learned, look, I, I can't do TV on Saturdays. I got to, you know, put off the news until Sunday. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but listen, what I want us to see here and what I want us to learn and apply specifically this week is political solutions won't fix what, what, what we are facing. Political um, solutions won't fix the issues that we're facing. Everyone on the right thought that electing um, um, uh, Donald Trump was going to fix all of the problems that we face. And guess what? That's why they were rioting this week. Because they realized that wasn't the solution. And we're about to spend four years with the same problem just on the left thinking, whoo, the solution is we got Joe Biden. (laughs) And we're going to end up with the same disappointment in four years because human beings can't fix the problems that we are facing. We can only find a satisfying solution in the presence of God. Lord, lift the light of your countenance upon us and give us peace. Father, we thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that no one here hears me saying that uh, political solutions um, are not necessary. We do uh, need political solutions. You have instituted government, as as, uh, Paul wrote in Romans 13, you have instituted government in order to have peace in the world. But too often our politicians are corrupt on both sides and they are only looking for what is most politically expedient for themselves and not what is the greatest benefit for the nation. I pray, Lord, that we do not find our peace in politics or political parties or politicians. I pray that we don't Uh, find our peace and comfort in worthless things that will only satisfy our our physical gratifications um, um, for temporary uh, times. Lord, I pray that we would seek our ultimate satisfaction in your face. 
Help us to seek your face. Help us to desire uh, like Moses desired, that regardless of what happens uh, to us as individuals or as a nation, that the greatest thing is for us to be in your presence. Lord, it is not until we find peace in your presence that we can find a solution to the things that is ailing this world. I pray, Lord, that as we are uh, ending one presidency and starting another presidency, we pray for the for Joe Biden and his new administration. We pray, uh, as we've prayed for all of our presidents, that you would lead them and guide them. We pray that you would use them uh, to bring peace to our nation. We pray that you would would allow them to govern in such a way that the church is able to be at peace and to do its work of spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I pray, Lord, that you would help us to see that regardless of what any politician does, our trust needs to be in you. We pray, Lord, that you would continue to work in and through your body, that you would continue to use us to spread the gospel and to spread your word so that we could, uh, in some limited way, bring peace to this fallen world until you, the Prince of Peace, come and return and to, to give peace in a way that the world has never known. We thank you for all of these things. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.